Welcome to When Fear Reigns. This is the first episode in a series about the four fundamental questions of the human experience, origin, value, meaning, and destination. Today, we'll talk about where we come from and why it's such an important question that everyone wrestles with. Here's Dr. Parlow and Pastor Ben. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode number six of When Fear Reigns. We're glad to have you. Today, we're really starting a a series of episodes where we're going to be talking about some of the things that shape worldview. Such a a critical thing to understand about people as you talk to them, to understand about yourself, how you, it's this lens through which you see the things that go on around you, your interactions with other people, the things you listen to, hear about in the news, the music you listen to. That worldview shapes how you understand all of that. And today, we're going to be really digging into the idea of origin. Where do I come from? Because that really sets up the rest of these conversations about morality and purpose and meaning and destiny. But it has to start with origin. It's such an important question for us to get into those other areas of discussion. So uh, Dr. John is going to be here. He's going to be talking about helping us understand why origin is so important. He's going to help us understand what the Christian worldview, how it's shaped by our understanding of origin. And I want to start really here, John, because there's so many things that people assert as true, as fact, as things you can empirically prove as if in a lab. And I want to just go through, I've got some things written down. I want your feedback on, is this a fact as in verifiable in a lab fact, or is it something that we've pieced together, understood, whether it's Christian or non-Christian? Uh, where does that, that idea come from? So you ready for this? We'll call this lightning round. Yeah, I'll move as fast as I can. I'm getting up there in years a little. So, uh, you know, if my cognitive development somewhat lags, just give me a break. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So let's start with this. Humankind has been brought about by a complex DNA structure. Ben, do you want me to answer this in the form of a question? Is this like Jeopardy or <laughs> can I just say uh, I would say that's an empirical fact. We have noted that and measured it, I think, way back in the 50s and 60s in its discovery. So I think everyone listening would probably call that an empirical fact. Or what is an empirical fact, Ben? <laughs> well, we're not going to get into that discussion quite yet. Okay. I'd, I'd like to be another one for another day. I'd like day. the Daily Double soon. <laughs> All right. So uh, humankind DNA fact. We can prove it. We've, we've seen it. We've... Uh, demonstrated it. How about this? Apes to man evolution, this idea that we come from primordial ooze uh, up through fish and then apes and we're really just descendants, advanced, uh, evolved descendants of apes. Or as people would say, from goo to the zoo to you. Um, I would say that's a belief system. Even Darwin himself, if you read his book, said his theory really rested upon the finding of transitional forms. And although we find some transitional forms from one species to the same species, they just kind of adapt to their environment. You don't see one going from one to the other, uh, suddenly a lizard growing on growing uh, wings or something like that. So I would say that takes a great deal of belief. It is a theory for a reason. It's really a belief system. Okay. So not something you can test in a lab, not something you can prove. No. There's no experiment that you can run to see no. that, okay, this is how things evolve. Right. So now we'll talk about man created by God. Verifiable in a lab? I would say it's a belief system, but it's not a belief based on blind faith. God has certainly given us plenty of evidence that he exists, and certainly that which you can measure and replicate in science, I think, points to the more plausible understanding that this world was created by a designer, an unmade maker. 
and I think that that very clearly is seen not only in the human DNA, in the human body, the eyeball, you know, talk about your brain, but also see the the fine-tuning of this universe, and I think that's a much more plausible understanding, but ultimately, Scripture says it's by faith that we believe yeah. that God created the world by the power of his word. And I think that's the that's the crux right there, what you just said, of what how I want to set this up. Because when you're sitting down with uh, an atheist who believes we evolved from primordial ooze or from apes, it's not as though you're talking fact versus fiction, right? The the Christian worldview, origin of God, God created all things. You're not talking fact versus fiction in terms of we're able to replicate this in a lab. You're talking about two different worldviews. And like you said, the Christian worldview of creation by God, the unmade maker, has some correspondence to reality that apes demand evolution yeah. does not. Neither side was there at the beginning. Correct. So you, you try to measure that which is measurable and see which way it points. And, and I think it's very clear, especially as we see more and more discoveries in science, rather than Christians going, oh, no, now this whole belief that God created the world by the power of his word, oh, it seems to be kind of fading. No, it's just the opposite. Mm-hmm. We see all of a sudden some of these incredible things that scientists, men and women who are just very bright, are discovering and go, oh, that's how he did it. Yeah. Yep. That's that's what yep. I see again and again, especially with DNA and and the universe and an expanding universe and all of those things. So, yeah, I, I would think the more plausible explanation is certainly that God did it. Yeah. And I think when you're sitting down with somebody, you've got to be convinced of that, that this is where I'm coming from. This is why. But how you talk to somebody, I think, is really determined by the recognition of the own limitations. I was not there at the beginning. I was not there to see that. Even though I believe firmly, 100%, that God created it, I still have to understand that that's, I'm taking the word of somebody else for that. And just a side note, make sure the people you're talking to, you're respecting. Yes. Sometimes yeah. it's like, obviously, you're a pagan who believes you're an ape who learned to shave. Yeah. Now let me treat you like that. Yeah, you're an idiot. Yeah, right? yeah. That's, that's not it at all. Those people are very bright. They can be good oh, people. Absolutely. They can be moral people in that sense, may not be able to defend their object moral standard. But hey, they are people for whom Jesus died too, and so treat them as such. Yeah. And I found out as you build bridges and, and have a dialogue rather than try to win debates, a lot of more, a lot better things get communicated in a better way, in a more God-pleasing way. But again, you're simply looking at, okay, we're having this conversation. I'm not here to win a debate. Mm-hmm. I'm here to see, okay, let's be honest. Where does this point? And then as you and I will talk about maybe in this podcast, but certainly in the ones to come, okay, what are the implications yes. of your belief system yep. about origin? Yep. And I think your three questions that you always go back to are critical in that conversation. Asking questions shows respect, shows interest. And you're listening, right? So those three questions that you always talk about, uh, how did you go through those again? Those three questions are, um, what do you mean by that? Can you unpack that for me to make sure I'm not setting up a straw man that you're you're not raising? Uh, Number two is, okay, how did you come to that conclusion? I mean, did you find it on Wikipedia? (laughs) Well, it should be bad, just so anybody listens here. Don't put Wikipedia down if you're doing a term paper. It's not (laughs) going to go well for you ever. But, you know, where did you get that from? Maybe it's a a worldview you've always held. Maybe it's just something you got off of social media. Maybe you've done your study and you feel, well, this is where the evidence leads me. Or there's an experience that you had that turned you Correct. Yeah. Correct. And the final one is, have you ever considered, and then you can bring apart your point of view that may be an opposite one. Yeah. That they have never heard of. I mean, let's face it. If we all travel in our own little packs where everyone just regurgitates what we already believe, we not only aren't challenged in our belief, which I believe is a good thing, but we simply become yes men and yes women and and we never really are ready to answer the tough questions people are going to pose that give us an opportunity to share truth in a God-pleasing way. Yeah, and I think... 
those three questions are critical, also really difficult in a world that seems so shaped by social media, where it is just firing salvos at each other, not listening, not reading, not engaging, but saying, but just shouting your own opinion. When you're trying to have a conversation with somebody, it's got to be two-way. And understanding you're having a conversation with people, some of whom believe the the new truism or maximum in our society that, okay, acceptance has to mean affirmation. I can accept you as an individual who is bright, who has purpose, who has value, but I can disagree with you. That doesn't mean I don't value you as a person. But in our culture, it's almost as if, and you see this on social media, as you've mentioned, um, if acceptance equals affirmation, acceptance equals um, support, not necessarily. Yeah. Not necessarily. Yeah, and that's what you have to kind of understand that too. And you might have to bring that to the forefront in the beginning of that conversation. Yeah. Yep. All right. So let's jump back into, you know, this lightning round. I want to ask this question based on your answers. So much of this is unprovable, right? In terms of an experiment. So if that's true, why is it such a burning question that we, we've asked this question, where do I come from? From the dawn. I mean, we have philosophers. For the last thousand years that I've wrestled with this question, why is it such a burning question in the mind? Every other aspect of our lives works off of our origin. Our origin determines really what you and I have alluded to before called our worldview. Everyone has a worldview. You'll, you'll hear a lot of people talk about this from the philosophical uh, viewpoint. You got Ravi Zacharias. You have in our own circles, Dr. Mark Paulson mm-hmm. at uh, Martin Luther College. You have, um, Frank Turek. You've got William Lane Craig. You've got Jay Warner. Uh, Wallace, the, the detective who did, I think the book is entitled, um, The Case for Christianity or something to that. The point is we all have a worldview and that worldview is really the, uh, how you view assumptions and make decisions. It's the lens, as you said before, through which you see things and the opportunities. It shapes everything you do, your choices, as well as how you apply your quote spiritual values. Now everyone has a worldview, whether they realize it or not. The real question is, is your worldview truthful? Mm-hmm. And and that goes back to origin. That's why everyone goes back to origin, because if your view of the origin of the world is faulty, then your worldview is going to be errant. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way to look at this is, as many people will tell you that there are really three steps in judging any belief system, any worldview. One would be logical consistency, another would be empirical adequacy, and another one, experiential relevance. You'll hear a lot of people talk about it in the philosophical range. In other words, are your answers to life's questions that everyone faces? What is truth? What is meaning? Do I have purpose on this earth? What's the ultimate end game? Is it logically consistent? They also, your, your answers need to be also empirically adequate, which means you can verify them mm-hmm. with what we can measure and replicate today. For example, I think of the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ or the historicity of the Old and New Testament or even the idea of um, uh, some of the archaeological claims of the Bible. There is an empirical component. And then there's the experiential coherence. In other words, okay, does what you believe and how you view life through your lens of your worldview does it actually make sense or is it just something you throw out at the bar to make yourself look pretty smart? Yeah. Yep. And when it comes to all those things, there's really two other things that you have to do about. You have to think about two questions that always may must be asked. And, and one of them, and I know that you've read about this too, the two 
tests are correspondence and coherence. Yeah. You probably know these better than I do, but do, do your answers really correspond to reality? If you say to me today, I rode up on my scooter all the way from the east side of Green Bay to, to Pier. If I walk outside, I should be able to see your scooter, right. which right. then corresponds to that truth. The coherence is more of a trial. Think of you're on a trial and you may say, well, I didn't steal that cupcake from the 7-Eleven. And the judge may want to believe you and your lawyer may want to believe you, but they're not going to believe you just on that basis. They're going to look at really all of the evidence to see if it does uh, correspond, if there's that coherence with it. That's what they're going to look at. They're going to make that determination based on the claim. Is your claim coherent with the evidence? So you think of those two things and, and everything else flows from that. Now, I think with that said, and you know this, and I, I know our listeners do too, some worldviews can be flawed. They're flawed from the very beginning. You don't need to go through all of the different lenses I just mentioned to know that they're flawed. You see some pretty pretty big flaws in the beginning. I'll give you an example. Um, the Quran says Jesus was never crucified, that it appeared he was crucified, and that maybe someone took his place like, I believe it was Judas is the claim. But that that is a, a flaw because anybody can look up whether they're a Christian or a non-Christian. you got Jewish historians, Greek historians, pagan historians, Roman historians, Christian historians, all say he died on the cross. So any particular book that makes the assertion that that didn't happen, you automatically know there there could be something in that worldview that is just systematically flawed. So getting back to your original question, if I have a worldview based on a faulty origin, that is going to start to show its effects in my life. It's it's like once you're off a little, as the arrow continues to fly toward the bullseye, yeah. Yeah. that little error continues as the distance goes on to be a greater miss. And I yeah. I see that in the origin of the belief in origin. Yeah, and I think. As you're sitting down to that conversation with somebody and you're talking about that, you bring up something like that, that, that point on the Quran or maybe something in their worldview. Understand that's a really high bar that you then are willing to accept yourself. You can't apply it to somebody else and then say, and I think that having those conversations really helps me as the Jesus follower to say, Oh, I might be thinking about this in the wrong way. I might be, cause that's true of all of us. Sure. sure. The, the biblical uh, worldview that, that God would call us to is not necessarily the one I have. I've got some faults in the way I think. And having those conversations and allowing someone else to say, wait a minute, that doesn't correspond to you. It doesn't cohere with your other your other beliefs. It's good reflection on yeah, me too. Absolutely. It challenges us to continue to mature in our faith and be ready. As Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to the reason for the hope that you have. Well, that means you got to think through these tough questions. And they're great questions. Yeah. yeah. And they're questions we need to be ready to answer rather than say, let me text someone. I'm going to text a friend. <laughs> I'm going to phone a friend right yeah. now, which isn't a bad thing. Yeah. But you want to make sure you don't come off as, okay, um, yeah, I know this and I'm going to fake it. And then you lose credibility. Yeah. And again, we're going back to the mode of that conversation that you're having with somebody. Respectful is, if somebody makes a good point, you say, yeah. Yeah, you I know, I never, that, I, yeah, right? I never really thought about that before. Yeah. It's a, I'm going to have to think more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that's honesty. And you're, if you're asking them to be honest. And, and being transparent. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah. I heard once, uh, John Lennox is a guy I follow. He's a mathematician who, who's a, a, a Jesus follower, talks a lot about the world and, you know, the, the world of empirical science as it relates to the Bible. I heard him say something like this. This is an exact quote, so don't, 
don't search this on Wikipedia. Uh, I, I know it's not. I'll give exact, you four but, Pinocchios. <laughs> uh, the most important words of the Bible are the la- the first five. Uh, if you go back to Genesis, in the beginning God created. What what do you make of that statement? What do you think he's getting at when he says those are the most important, especially in this? Because we're talking about origin, that really sets the origin. In the beginning, God. Well, that tells you. I think that gives you right away the the origin of not only life but reality and truth. Uh, I often think. Uh, the greatest miracle, people go, what do you think is the greatest miracle in the Bible, John? I always think it's the first five words. Yeah. To create something out of nothing is the greatest miracle. I always say, all the rest of the miracles in the Bible are very pedestrian <laughs> <laughs> compared to that one. Like, yeah. okay, so you got Elijah, Elijah, I believe it is, has, or is Elisha, one of the two has a floating axe head. Yeah. You've got yeah. Uh, a talking donkey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the New Testament, you got Jesus walking on water, healing a guy's shriveled hand, taking his friend Lazarus, who now stinks, takes him out of the grave. All those are pedestrian compared to, all right, all right, what happens? God creates everything out of nothing. Yeah. I think from that vantage point, then, okay, that God exists. He probably has something to say about yeah. my life. As opposed, if I'm an accident uh, and the, the combination of random chemical... Uh, chemical analysis or random acts of atoms and neutrons and protons, well, you know, then I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot to point to for maybe a standard of truth. But that's that's what I always say. The most important role they probably play is to answer the question of, of origin. And that points, I think, always points to standards. And that's something, yeah. you know, yeah. we're going to talk about, yeah. so I'm Later. not going to try yeah, to don't. dump the whole load of <laughs> hay right now. But that really does uh, talk about, okay, what's truth? What really yeah. is truth? And how does that matter? As I treat my neighbor and what, what really is, what is meaning? So I'm not going to jump into those because I know you're giving me that look like, don't talk about that now. Hold on. Uh, But I think, so you look at those words in the beginning. So time starts right in the beginning. Time, space and matter. Time, space and matter. God's already there. Mm-hmm. So we go back to that unmade maker, right? Well, we b- both that. sides believe in an unmade maker. Yeah, right. One is the Big Bang, right. or you know, you right, know. or something happened. Something right. happened, right? Uh, which that's a different conversation, yeah. I think. But uh, those are those words are so critical. I think the downside, or why those are such a flashpoint, I should say, is some if somebody can get those five to fall, the rest of the book doesn't matter. As you talked about, the miracles are. None of those would have happened. Jesus wouldn't have walked on water if God had not first made water. Right? Correct. And so none of those matter if the first five, it's true too of the rest of the book. If you can get the first five to fall, the rest of the book is suspect. The rest of the book is is faulty. And just like we offer that bar of, well, if your worldview is off a little bit here or the, that, that comments about the Quran you just made, if that's true of the first five, everything else is up for debate. And even a, a more salient point is, if there is a creator, then I'm not the God of my universe. Yeah. We go back to the first commandment again. You shall have no other gods. All right. Then I'm not him. And that's why I think scientists often want to, atheistic scientists want to remove that is because if those first five words are true, then there is a God and it's not them. Yeah. And there is a moral standard. There's a standard of truth and it's not yours or mine. It's God's. I mean, I've often asked scientists, you know, what scientific imperative tells you that you must be honest mm-hmm. about your findings? What tells you that? So, so if you say, well, my findings are true, that's a metaphysical uh, standard. Therefore, science really can't teach you anything in the, in the broad sense. You will never be able to answer the question of love and meaning and purpose, which again, we're going to talk about down the road. If science precepts turn out to be true, that we're just simply a collection of random atoms of time plus 
matter plus space plus time plus chance, then we'll be left with no moral perspective. And I know that's jumping on what we're going to talk about coming up, but that means you really, you have no morality. You're God, anything goes, and that's a, that's a tough world to live in, yeah. a very tough world to live in. Those fi- first five really do set the stage. I can't answer those other questions of worldview without that origin, without that biblical, as a Jesus follower. Because if a, a Jesus follower, and we've, we've seen this too over the last 50 years, I would say, really a skew in some sectors of Jesus followers to say, I believe Jesus existed, I believe he died, but I'm not so sure God created all things, or I'm not sure, you know, the old earth creationism, mm-hmm. that it, God used the mechanisms of evolution. Again, that really erodes your later discussions on purpose well, yeah. and meaning right. and everything. If I'm not going to believe what he says in the beginning, why should I believe anything thereafter? Now, I understand some people have a different view of Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, and that's maybe something we can uh, go ahead and talk about on another time, or at least bring in a Hebrew scholar, because, I don't know, I'm not one. Are you, Ben? <laughs> I... Uh... I passed Hebrew. That's good. (laughs) That's good. Uh, You know, the other thing, you know, just in science, and this is something that I have a son who's a scientist, and something that I I learned is he often says, science doesn't give you answers. Scientists do. Hmm. All data has to be interpreted. What are the assumptions you are using in your interpretation? And that has to do with your belief in origin. Yeah. And I think that was kind of a neat sense. Back to that. Yeah. Get us right back to that origin. Well, and that's the the beautiful thing about being a Jesus follower. I'm not anti-science. I love reading Wired and Tech News today. And, you know, all those, I love keeping up on that stuff. I'm so fascinated. It's another it. blessing from God. It's un- yeah, awesome. It's incredible. And so as a, as a Jesus follower, you're not stuck in the mud anti-science. Man, it, it helps you see the marvels. We got to, we got to get to this question. I really want to, want to talk about this because it's, it's the, it's again that personal. Help us understand, uh, John, if I'm sitting next to somebody, they're maybe not able to articulate their worldview or answer the question succinctly, where do you come from? But there's probably clues for me as I'm talking with somebody. What are those clues that they're struggling with the question of origin or they've, they haven't thought through that or they've got the wrong answer to that question? How does that come out in, in a way that's recognizable? Well, I think we're seeing that right now with the whole idea of the life issue when you now have people saying, a life in the womb, really, it might be a biological life, but it's not a person. They've now made this uh, two-level du- dualism, which Nancy Percy in her incredible book, uh, Love Thy Body, talks a lot about. And so all of a sudden, uh, you determine what really life is and what life is valuable. Whereas a Jesus follower, we believe God talks about life being from conception, albeit a life that is far from God, right, is in need of a Savior, but still God considers that life. Well, if you don't think that God created the world and that you're simply the result of evolutionary process, well, then suddenly you're going to cheapen life. And now we're seeing some people push to the fact that, well, it's not, it's, it's all right to go ahead and abort a child for really, really technically every reason. I mean, they say for the health of the mother, which can be emotional or yeah. relational or whatever it is. Up to the discretion of the doctor. Yes. Yeah. But now they're saying after the child's born, well, maybe we, some are suggesting maybe we should consider whether that child can still be killed, mm-hmm. that, that life can be snuffed out because, well, after all, yes, it's a life, but it's not a person. 
if you have a biblical worldview that doesn't have God in it, that's what, that's the world you're going to go down to. So as you're talking to someone and you see where they are on abortion, it's what's well, a woman's right to do whatever she wants with her body. Well, that's not true. Mm-hmm. We don't say that. Uh, we have laws against all sorts of things you can't do with your body. Yeah. So, so the reason I point that out is, is you talk about life issues. You'll determine where that person's coming from. Another one and uh, jump in if, if, if you got another one too is the whole idea of sexuality. If I understand that God is the one that created me and he created me male or female and he told me here's this wonderful gift called sexuality, he's going to have boundaries in which he wants that to be practiced. Today you have, again, people saying that the dualism, okay, I'm a biological person, but that my sex, what I was born with, my parts, my chromosome doesn't define me. I'll determine who I am as a person on the upper level and I can change that every day or within a day. Mm-hmm. Again, that will tell you where that person's coming from, from the origin of life. I think those are things you need to understand. And of course, you can get into morality where you'll have someone say, well, I believe what's right for you isn't right for me. Everyone chooses their own truth. Again, it's the three things I would tell people. Talk about life, talk about human sexuality, and talk about truth. Mm-hmm. What is truth? And you'll determine what they believe about the origin of the world. Yeah. And and that truth, I think, not only what is truth, but how do you arrive at truth? How do you establish truth? Because I think that's a huge, huge question that we're wrestling with in our our culture right now. How, where does that come from? And I think those are really helpful pointers for somebody because those conversations come up. They're in the news all the time. They come up around the water cooler. They come up in a passing comment or, or, you know, what somebody posts on Facebook. And again, I, I don't know that I encourage people to really engage in that discussion via Facebook. But if it's somebody that you have real interaction with, bring it up in real life. Hey, I saw you posted that. Can you tell me more about why you shared that or what, what that yeah, means to you? Use one of the three questions. Yeah. What did you mean by that? Can you unpack that for me so I, I don't, we don't talk past one another and I understand where you're I'm coming from. I'm trying to from. understand, right? Yeah. Help me understand why you say that. Uh, so that's, that's really helpful. And, and it leads into, helps us get into our next, next couple of podcasts. The next one, we're going to be talking about the question of meaning or value. How do I, how do I know that I matter? Right. That's really our, our question for next time. And so I, I think we'll probably leave it here for this, uh, for origin. We'll be coming back to this just as we've been pointing ahead during this discussion. We'll point back to this discussion. Sure. Sure. Uh, so if you're, if you are our listener, get a chance to share this with somebody and they maybe tune in in the second or third discussion, make sure they go back. Because origin is so critical of a foundation for this. But uh, John, wanted to thank you. Uh, it's been great to talk about this with you and dig into this a little bit. We've talked about a lot. Uh, we could probably ask questions on a lot of what you've said, but those are maybe again. Sure, and I'd, I'd encourage this. our listeners to go ahead and, and listen to the ones that follow because yeah. this is really going to be four or five podcasts. It's really one message, and uh, we'd love to talk to you for five hours, but you won't listen, <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't either. <laughs> Well, thank you listeners for tuning in today, episode six, where we talk about where do we come from. It's been great to have you. If you've got questions or comments, you want to, you want to bring up something on this issue, make sure you leave a comment. You can email us. Uh, happy to have those discussions. We really want this to be a two way uh, discussion where we, we have part of it, but we want to hear back from you. Uh, but hopefully our conversation today, as we talk about origin and this critical issue, this critical question, uh, I pray, we pray that it's made room in your life for the fear of God to reign, to embolden you, to empower you, and to give you what you need to speak up. 
Thank you for joining us on this discussion. Share your thoughts and follow-up questions with us at info at whenfearreigns.com. Again, that's info at whenfearreigns.com. Plus, check the show notes for links to our Facebook and Instagram pages. And make sure you subscribe to get our next episode as soon as it's available. We'll see you next time on When Fear Reigns. 